Uh, thank you, Brad Paisley, for that intro music. Welcome to the OK Taco Show, everybody. Today is September 20th, 2023, the year of our Lord. My name is Conrad, and how are you, buddy? And I'm back in a 1977 Airstream uh, Excella 500, and I'm parked the studio directly into a building right here on Route 66 in Davenport, Oklahoma. And um, we haven't been blown away or or pulled away or uh, the locals haven't ran us away totally yet. So, you know, we're still here. We're still doing it. And um, we had a good day today, uh, this Wednesday, as far as taco business goes. You know, it's sometimes we're just we're just too new at it. You know, we haven't been doing it long enough. Um, to understand just the cycles of how many people are going to be coming in and out and and just the cycles of what people's habits are. You know, you might get a customer that comes and sees you weekly for multiple weeks in a row, and then they go away for a couple months. And you think, did I do something? You know, did I leave a damn uh nickel or something in one of his burritos did i you know i can't remember then you think i think i definitely did i definitely dropped a bunch of quarters or nickels in there and you know and you you make it a reality that they don't like you in your own head and you're, you kind of just start grieving about it and start writing it off and then they pop up and they just show up and so today uh a number of our former loyal customers are still loyal customers they just we got triggered back on the cycle. You know, we got put back on a couple of their rotations. So we had a good lunch or really just kind of like a good pre-dinner. It's around that dinner time. Um, so it was a busy day, which is good. Uh, we've been polishing. Got two kind of projects going on as far as taco business goes. Um, we got the new trailer that we've started. Uh, the cleaning. It's all cleaned. And then I've acid washed one side of it and it turned out really well i think it's pretty much ready to be polished and then the other one the one that we shannon and i took all over oklahoma and served tacos out of that is now the arcade and studio that i sit in with you right at this very moment on facebook live here um this i'm i'm trying to get this polished too i'm gonna you know i don't think i'll go with the uh, uh, in-depth three-step process polish, but we'll shine this one back up too, and then everybody can sign the trailers when they stop and say hi and meet Thick James and all that stuff. So that's the plan. That's what's been going on. So we've been busy, and it's, you know, there is there is a simple kind of uh, human out there, you know, a flat-brained idiot out there that when when you just start doing something like, cleaning a wall or polishing the trailer or whatever it is, just these uh, mindless tasks, doing dishes, all those things. Um, the flat-brained idiots, and I'm putting, the reason I'll use such derogatory terms is because I definitely fall in that category. Um, there's something very um, satisfying about polishing the trailers or polishing in general. When I was making the signs for before we opened here and we were polishing these two big sheets of aluminum for our menu and stuff. It's like, there's something about, well, I'm, I'm sure it's not just me. I mean, obviously there's people out there that their whole living is to make things shine. I mean, there's car detailers, there's jewelry detailers. I remember when I bought my wife's um, engagement ring and yeah, I did. I didn't, I, I don't know how many paychecks I saved up and I'm pretty sure I had paid I might have even paid in full. I might have done a two-payment plan just because somebody had talked me in to, like, having credit at that time or something. But anyways, you know, you go in there and buy a ring. I don't know if you ever bought a ring at the mall at a Zales Jewelers, but what happens is there's a price tag. Well, that doesn't mean anything, you know, because what happens is you, you pick out a ring, and they tell you what a great job out of all the rings that are here at Zales. You picked the perfect ring, and this is going to be great. You did such a great job. That's the one that they would choose. But also, if they chose it, you know what else they'd do? They'd buy the lifetime warranty. You don't want to lose a diamond, do you? I mean, it's a $78 ring. So if you lose a nugget off this bad boy, that's going to set you back about 7 bucks. So, you know, you buy the lifetime insurance, 78 bucks on the 
ring, and then you, you practically double it with the lifetime insurance. And then you're required to drive the damn thing into Zales like every every fourth quarter or something. They go off quarters or seasons or something. Every second winter, bring it to Zales, and some goblin will come from the back counter and hit it with a <laughs> scrunchie. Um, anyways, people like to make things shiny. Jewelers like to make things shiny. Um, I mean, even just there's house cleaners. Every, everybody likes that. Tidy, clean. And it was a debate within uh, between Shannon and I and since we've been open as far as whether we polish the this Airstream that I'm in right now again because it has so many... I mean, every wear and tear, it's a scar. You know, it's got so many scars on it. All the signatures from people that we met and all the um, literal trailer damage that happened driving, making it only by the protection of some sort of um, outer being. Man, there, oh, There's no reason Shannon and I should have made it to all the towns that we went to with this hunk of metal I'm sitting in right now. So um, that's why it means so much. That's why we're polishing it and... You know, I don't think I'm the only one that when I started, though, like Thick James, um, who, by the way, he quit smoking. So you guys need to if you do see James and you come into the shop, make sure you congratulate him. He's doing good on that. So um, anyways, you know, James looks at it like work. He looks at polishing like work. And I just look at it completely differently. It's like a puzzle or a challenge or something. So. Anyways, that's what's going on here, and there's a lot going on in the world that, that the world's a lot bigger, and I'm aware of that, you know, I really am, uh, that the world is a lot bigger than a crappy little taco shop here in Davenport, you know, that tries to, you know, that's trying. People see that. I, I feel like that, you know when people clap for the person who gets, like, third to last place? Because you could just tell he was struggling the whole time. They don't clap for the last person because he didn't even try. They don't clap for the winner that much because he was expected to win. But when you're that little engine, you know, you're just trucking along and you're the little engine that could. And, yeah, I think I can. I think I can. Um, that That's the person that they cheer for in the race. And that's the person that I, I think that we are here. People see that we're... We're definitely trying, um, but I get it, dude. It, there's a lot, lot bigger stuff going on, and one of the big things going on is what's been happening in Mexico. And usually, when you say that, you got two types of people. You got the Fox News people um, who, you know, you bring up the southern border, and it all of a sudden turns into a, a debate. You know what I mean? Like you'd be like, "Hey, man, I was thinking. About, I seen this documentary about the." Um, the Mayan temples in in Mexico, and if you talk to Fox News, be like, Shh, I'd never go there. Not with what's going on down there. People are trying to get out of there. They're coming across the border. Two hundred and fifty-seven thousand people an hour are shoulder rolling across this border with Bowie knives, you know. And they got bags of drugs, son. They got bags of drugs. Okay. You want to come here and talk to me about what's going on in Mexico? Let me talk to you about drug cartels, okay? That's what's happening in Mexico right now is that it is crime. Have you ever heard of crime? Because that's what's happening. Or the other person you might run into if you mention Mexico is the Cancun, the partier. The person that chooses to ignore the obvious... um, There must be obvious problems in Mexico in the sense that there does seem to be a fleeing of sorts, or at least a uh, highway of uh, refugees that, that, that are trying to get to safety. And I'm glad that we live in a country that can offer that, you know, for, you know, I'm not trying to take a stance on it, but um, there, there must be some obvious little holes that seem to be happening in Mexico, but those seem to elude the people that go to Mexico for the Cancun experience, you know, for the senior frogs, for the, beaches for the all-you-can-eat buffets and for the bottom-shelf liquor poured and top-shelf products. I mean, that's what's happened. You get poisoned, you'll fall off a balcony possibly, get thrown in a... You mix the two is what I'm saying. You got to be aware. But uh, the reason I bring up Mexico and I bring up the fact that 
as uh, Midwesterners in America, we sit around and get a different, we just have a different view of it. It's far enough away that we can comment on it, but it's close enough that it might matter. You know what I mean? And um, so it makes it seem like it affects, like we know people that live in Texas. That's the kind of, th- that's how close it is. So when they talk about what's going on on the southern border, we're like, shit, we know Texas. You know, we've been there. So we feel like it's one of us. And um, what I mean is that sometimes it seems like they don't got their stuff together. And with that being said, they come out with a bombshell this past week. They Mexico turned on their camera. You know what I mean? Um, and it looked like it, too. It looked like, I don't know if you've seen the video of this, but the I guess the president of Mexico or the god of Mexico or whatever, king of Mexico, political figure, this fella, he comes out with a couple of um, tombs, you know, a couple of boxes, a couple of caskets, a little tomato boxes, president standing there, and they open them up, and what it is is Mexico says that they have found these out-of-this-world, not-from-this-world beings, these fossilized beings of aliens, and they had they have them. I mean, it's on the video. You can see these. They look like E.T. They look like gray E.T., and they're they're like um, the size of a like if you stacked a couple watermelons on top of each other. It's what this little fellow looked like. There's two of them too, twins. They said one of them's got eggs in its tummy. Um, you know, they're poking it. They're, they're and it's Mexico. They're frying it. They got a couple of you know quinceañeras going on. They're doing it all in Mexico. But what they're saying is they got this little booger from uh, Puerto Rico. They got these couple fellows from Puerto Rico space dudes and people are people that are in the the big uh ufo community the experts that are constantly in a fever pitch of what's going on that is unexplainable and they're trying so hard for any kind of government agency to validate what their beliefs are with this you know, history of experiences that ev- that every culture seems to have with possibly an out-of-the-world um, experience. So they, they're waiting. And so when they see it, they're like, see, I told you. You know, check out. Have you guys seen Mexico yet? Check out these. I told you. We're not alone, dude. We are not alone, you know. Everything you know is a lie. That kind of shit. And then... Um, there's the uh, other ones, and I don't know which one to believe, but I do got to say, if you are the president of Mexico, like, I got to assume that for at least him, he has the ability to be able to call, like, other countries. You know what I mean? And so what you're going to do is you're going to call a different country. It doesn't have to be the United States. It can be freaking Canada or something, but call another country that seems like a more legitimate source for a couple aliens in a box. You know what I mean? Because when Mexico is like, screw it, dude, let's do it ourselves. You know, Puerto Rico called Mexico. <laughs> and Mexico is like, we got you, fam. Bring them over. And they fired up their old, you know, those old cameras with the VCRs, the tapes in the side. And they're like, I get, you got in the picture? Yeah, it's got the date on it everything. And so... um They did it. They filmed it like that, and then they figured out how to convert that VHS into digital video, and they sent it out to all the news, and I've just been watching these... I've been watching the president of... I didn't even know... We had to be more clear. We need to be a little bit more educated about how Mexico's government system works, because I was under the impression that it was a pretty lawless, you know, a, a Wild West kind of feel, is the way that I've been led to believe over the past decade. And so the fact that the president of Mexico has any draw whatsoever seems kind of funny. But, um, you know, they come out there, dude. He took off his WWE Mexico belt and he hung it up. And, you know, he was doing the talking up the crowd. And uh, the whole everybody had the masks on, like the, uh, you know. What are those called? Lucid, lucideros or something. Uh, <coughs> anyways, good for them. I hope it's true. Um, that's great. That's great news that there's a 
you know, cool. That's really cool. I hope, I don't know what it would do. If it's true and um, all this crap pans out, you know, like missing fighter jets for days and people talking about lasers coming in and burning places and people talking about, um, you know, really um, out of the ordinary things happening um, that seem to be coming from the sky, you know, as far as like this Navy pilots talking about seeing those freaking uh, Tic Tacs and crap like that. You know, you get into that, and I don't know if it's supposed to... I don't know why people think... I don't know why it would change people's perspective. You know what I mean? I guess I do know. I get it. I get why it would, but personally, I... I think that you just want to... I feel like you have the ability to uh, morph that information into whatever um, thing you want to morph it into, whatever your belief system currently is, you know? So, anyways, I'm not, like, worried about it. I think it's hilarious. I hope I hope that aliens, really, I just hope that they do come to Mexico. And what if it's because we've been calling them aliens? You know what I mean? What if it's it's like a manifestation of... Um, you know, America's vocalization of the fact that these are illegal aliens. And maybe the fact that people have been saying it so much, Mexico literally found a couple illegal aliens, like real dog, space dog aliens. Some dude did comment that too. He's like, they look like dogs, like prehistoric dogs. Like, what? I mean, dogs coming every, you could say about anything. I've seen dogs with flat noses. I've seen dogs with, yeah, it does look like a dog, I guess, a gray rock dog. So I don't know the answers. Um, I know that, at least in my case, the way that I try to negotiate the information um, of possible changes in how our existence as humans either happened or continues, um, I guess I would say that it's better to for me if you just, for me personally, I lean towards, you lean towards the faith that you already have. Um, and you know, what if that's wrong though? And it's like, what if it's wrong and it's aliens? It's like, I don't, if it's aliens, I might be screwed either way, you know, but what if it's not aliens and it's, um, from the faith based kind of beliefs. And what if that comes down and it's like, well, at least I was believing that way. You know, I'd rather be, I'll, I'll stick on the side of, uh, the faith. It's, it's more familiar and that's okay. Um, so not worried about it, but am following. I would say that. Like, if there was a mental link that I could put on um, a page, it would be on Mexico's alien encounters. Because you got to remember, a couple weeks ago, I told you guys about the guys, I think it was Puerto Rico or, uh, you know, there, where you would go on a cruise, Puerto Rico, Bahamas, is down there, that these people were reporting... Um, like crazy flying beings that were going up and the government officials told them, oh, they're miners. They're illegal miners that are using jetpacks. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? There's some of those things, those weird um, explanations that sometimes just make you want to scratch your head and say, what the hell are you talking about? But um, because of that, you, you kind of push those into the category of things I can't control. Um and that's where you, I think that's where faith lives. So that's where you push it. Uh, so anyways, that's just a lot of thinking. I I was doing a little bit of, hold on a second, let me get a drink of this. It's Diet Dr. Pepper. Today's episode of the OK Taco Show is brought to you by Diet Dr. Pepper. Uh, currently, the World Health Organization, the WHO, is investigating the ingredient aspartame that is used commonly in diet sodas and diet drinks. Um, it is a sugar substitute. Uh, they are considering adding it to their list of carcinogenians, whatever that is. I know it's bad, um, according to you know my history with the word. And if it does, it will outlaw the use of this sugar substitute aspartame, meaning it will change the flavor of Diet Dr. Pepper. And if you're a fan, drink it while you can. Might kill you, but what doesn't? Um, 
So thank you, Diet Dr. Pepper, for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to David Toby. David Toby's Handyman Service, everybody, um, out of Stroud. If you guys want to get some handyman work done in the Lincoln County area, be sure to contact our friend David Toby. I'll get his number for next show. Um, he's a really nice man. He come in a few times and leaves me his brochure. He doesn't know that I'm making him a sponsor of the show, but I feel like it might be my small way of helping David Toby. So there's another gentleman down the road here that does uh, building work. And once I learn his name, we call him Aaron Rodgers right now. But once I learn his name, I will too make him sponsor my show. Um, if you guys want sponsorship, just continue being yourself. Oftentimes I'll notice and then I'll make you a sponsor of the show. Diet Dr. Pepper, I'm just now getting around to noticing you, my good friend, and thank you for being here and a part of the show. Um, but there's many other Davenport businesses that are on the list of sponsors. And thank you guys for all reaching out to me to do so. And I'll continue to uh, support support each other. So, um, yeah, good drink here. I tried to not drink um, soda today. I get weird with crap like that. You know, like little challenges. And a lot of it is probably because of the psychology of the different jobs that I've done over the years. Because at a certain point, I think um, once a certain kind of rhythm or repetitiveness of something would happen, you know, you would want to find different ways to preoccupy your time. People do it all the time. You know, I'm sure that there's office cubicle games. I remember that was my big culture shock when I went from working for a family business um, of, of my own family to working a like a big person job, selling parts at a person's company. Um, and, you know, you had to wear the, the, the uniform and go in and answer the phone the right way. You know, okay, tacos, Conrad, that kind of thing. How can I help you? Oh, sales? Hold on a second. And I didn't know how to press all the buttons on the phone, and it just all seemed kind of ridiculous because you could just, nobody was in the store, just push hold and yell at them, you know, and I would do that and then not get reprimanded, but people were like, just press the transfer button and transfer in the call. It's like, yeah, but they're right there. You know, I didn't understand, and it's probably why it didn't um, fit in, really. But... um Sometimes you get to thinking, though. That's what I was really talking about. You get to thinking when you do these repetitive jobs. And I was thinking recently about there's this study that I heard of with, I think they did it with Marines or, or Army soldiers. And what it was was a running challenge. They were having these gentlemen run. And they told the first group of runners that they were running 20 miles. And then they took off and started running. And they told the second group of soldiers that they were running 10 miles. And they took off and started running. And they told the third group that they were running 30 miles. And they took off and started running. At the end of... They all only ran 10. Or they all only ran 12. It was never the number they were told. And it was... I think it was always, it could have been more on some of them, and it was less on, like, the 30. So I think it, maybe they did 15 for all. But the they didn't tell the soldiers any different. They didn't tell the soldiers that they had run more or less. They didn't tell them the results of anything like that. There was not like it was a race, it was a drill. So um, the interesting thing is, though, they did interview them after, and all of them claim to like get tired at the same time, even though the distances that they had run were different. There was, they had all mentally f were fatigued as if they'd ran whatever the number was that was put in their mind, even though they had not even run that. So there was another example that was given um, of this kind of anomaly happening. And I can't, I don't quite understand it. It's like, There's something called the light test or the slit test, which is a horrible name. You should probably change your name. But um, what it is, the way I understand it is, and I have not done any research on it other than 
hearing the description of it. But the way I understand it is they have like um, a sheet of metal or something that could block light and they have two slits in it. And if you shine a light source from behind the metal and it shines through those two slits onto the wall, those the light will actually be a wave and it will kind of be on the wall as two lines merging or crossing in a wave-like form or something. And But the interesting thing about this study is what they did next was they shined the light through just one of the slits. But yet when you look at the wall, there's still the same two lights. But when you look back at the piece of metal with the light shining through, only one is illuminated. Something like that. That's the way I understand it. And there's like an explanation that is a guess, a theory on why it happens. And it's something like the light doesn't know where it should be for you until you look at it, that kind of thing, which is a real weird thing. And the only other one I was thinking of, so this is what I was thinking when I was wrote this down. Um, what's weird is I'm not a good swimmer. And by saying I'm not a good swimmer, it's me being cocky. I'm not, I can't swim very well at all would be, I guess it's the same thing. I'm not, I'm bad. I've, I've nearly, I feel like I've nearly drowned a couple times, probably just from panic that I think I'm going to drown and just never had real great experiences with water for whatever reason. Uh, when I was young and my grandparents had a above ground pool and it's not because they were showing off their wealth, but they were trying to rub it in a little bit. Um, but they had an above ground pool and my grandma had a big river rat tube. So there could be a cartoon drawn about this, you know, of my granny, you know, with a beer and a cigarette sitting on a river rat on her back, you know, and, and you would see her because she's on an above ground pool. So you just see her floating all day, which is awesome. And that's, you know, she had a pig sitting there. But anyways, that's that's what my introduction to water. That's like the earliest I remember. I remember my I remember James cutting his leg off in the bath one time when a glass fell. But um I don't know if that traumatized me too much, but later when I was at that pool at my grandma's pool, I remember you know, peering over the side. So I'm at that height, whatever age that is. Four foot, you know, I'm at that four foot height because I think that's what above ground pools were standard. And I'm at, I imagine if my grandpa bought it, it was an American standard, what that damn thing was. And so anyways, I get up to the edge of that pool and a wasp had built a nest of a uh, family of wasps had lived in. They had built a colony within the edge of this above ground pool. They had. So the wasps had got together. There's moisture there. There's you're out of the sun. It's a perfect place to hide. The grandma won't bother you, you know. And so, all of a sudden, little four foot Conrad walks over to this thing, gets stung up the nose a couple times, and I'm thinking I'm blaming the water. You know, now I can't swim. A um, couple more bee sting incidents with pools. You know, I remember getting stung at the Clearwater public pool by a bee on the foot, and I had a big flipper of a foot it swelled up so bad so and then there's just then you get into uh adolescence and young adulthood and you do all the challenges i bet i can swim across this lake like what the hell is wrong and you try and a couple kids did and a couple kids died and a couple and it's like i just hate water at that point you know i never i don't think i took swimming lessons if i did i took it erotically if that makes sense you know uh <laughs> yeah there was a hot uh, lifeguard that it's like, yeah, I'll go take swimming lessons and let this lady you know, carry me through the water. Uh, so I don't remember learning much. I don't remember any of the lessons, but the funny thing is you're naturally, you're naturally supposed to know how, which is so weird. You're, I think that if like you can have a, a baby, well, you can have a baby anywhere. There are people crept out a baby at a Tim Hortons donut shop. You can, you can baby you can baby anywhere. You can squirt so it doesn't have to be a hospital, but I what I'm saying is some people, a lot of women, a lot of uh, a lot of transgender women, all women, whatever you are, people that a lot of birthers, they will they will do that in a bathtub. They'll do that underwater because I think 
the baby's in water inside a woman is how that works, I guess. Because a woman's body's mo- mo- mostly water. And so anyways, um, as long as they don't break the seal, <laughs> the you know, the oxygen, the ozone, and they stay underwater, I think... I think if you were in the right water source, you could actually just raise a mermaid. I don't. I think if you keep the umbilical cord, I don't know if you ever have to let a baby off you. But typically, they'll in modern society they'll obviously you'll you'll clip the umbilical cord and it's a land baby. So, but they know how to swim. And I've seen people. I've seen videos. They used to do it for whatever reason in the nineties, uh, mid to late nineties. Frickin', I don't, I don't think anybody learned how to swim, but none of my friends, that wasn't the deal. You know, we were, we were definitely street kids. We were road boys. We were gutter babies. And because I just remember, it seemed like one people, people were drowning all the time in the nineties. It was always because of the damn pool gate. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't, or they didn't, everybody would get an in-ground pool, but nobody, why do you get an in-ground pool? To get your friends over to get drunk. That's, that's why people get them. Nobody buys a pool because they're like, you know, I just, nobody's Michael Phelps. Nobody likes to swim. Everyone likes to get drunk with their friends in bikinis. That's why people buy pools. And so they get their damn pool and they get drunk and that's fine. Then they're hung over and their kid walks out there and trips over garden hose. And, you know, now you got that to live with, which is that's a tough that's a tough pill to swallow um but uh anyways i just remember the 90s being a time where kids were drowning left and right and you got freaking celebrities singing about swimming you know what i mean there was a lot of that going on you get a lot of uh collaborations between musicians from from different genres, they would get together in a studio and they would sing about Free Willy came out. I mean, everything was about people that didn't know shit about the water, and it's like us just figuring it out together in the 90s. And so there was lessons like you didn't swimming lesson was getting thrown in the water, and if you lived, you can swim. That was the 90s. That was the 80s. They got it from the 70s or something. It's like we're not gonna spend a lot of time finding out if you want to live. That's basically the lesson that you would get learning to swim pre nine eleven. I'm gonna blame I'm gonna blame that one on my friend George W. Bush and listener of the show. So, uh, anyways, with all that in mind, what happens is you're born a natural swimmer. You touch air, you no longer know how to swim. If you're thrown in the water early, you can figure it out. If you don't drown. But for some of us, we evaded it somehow. We were gutters. And we evaded, we just, we took our fear of water and we allowed it to run our lives. And I was part of that. I was not a swimmer. I didn't learn how to swim. I don't know how. And then you would get this, this happens all the time. For people, and you wouldn't understand if you're a swimmer, and God bless you if you are. There's a carp in the tub, and you should be in there too, okay? Because you can swim. But uh, sometimes us non-swimmers, we'll get together. Not like as a support group or anything. We're not trying to make it about it. But we'll somehow always... There will be a body of water where people are frolicking. The only time you see frolicking in the modern day is near water. And so frolicking will be happening, and you'll notice... a. Uh, a covey of, it could be mixed-gendered covey of non-swimmers. And we'll be sitting there and we'll say, I just never learned how to float, man. I don't get it. I don't get it. And a swimmer will always say, floating's easy. You don't have to do nothing. You don't know how to float? I can teach you how to float. Everyone says they can teach you how to float. I can teach you. Just stop doing stuff. Just don't breathe. I mean, breathe, but just relax. Really? Just relax. But here's what's weird about swimming. This is what made me, and how I related it back to those other thought experiments, which is like, you know, the one where 
you're thinking that you've ran 30 miles, but you've only ran 10, or you're thinking that you only ran 10 miles, but you ran 30. And both people have the same level of physical exhaustion only because of what they were told, the thought thing. And that's what's so weird about swimming. And that's what's so weird about floating is because what happens, I guess, is if you can, you bet you basically just believe that you can float and then you do the things physically. This is how I'm, I'm understanding floating as a non floater. I'm, I, but I guess what happens is you just believe you can, and then you, because of that belief, you trust to your body enough to breathe in a certain way that will then relax it in a way that you can then float. And the reason I thought about this ultimately is because I had watched a movie where um, it was called Unbroken. It was a military movie where this guy, you know, he just had the worst... He just seemed to get the worst of it when it comes to uh, luck in World War II. But uh, anyways, they were stuck at sea on a life raft for 40 days after their plane had went down in the ocean. Their military plane had went down. And aside from, like, sharks and shit eating you, I guess I was just thinking, like, couldn't you just float? I mean, force came to work. You couldn't float, like, for 40 days, but you could float for till you're dead and then you would just float i assume because don't dead people float that was my thought so here's what i had thought about how that whole thing works you just have the right belief that you can do it and you then you breathe in a way that would make that happen because you trust that you can do it and then you can do it but the only thing holding you back from being able to do it is you thinking that you can't do it because the moment that you don't ex like the moment that you die, you would then float. So the moment you stop, the only thing keeping you is thinking about it. The moment you stop thinking about it, you can do it. That's crazy. And I don't know if that's how any of that works, but um, from the movies I've watched, which or TV shows, like in The Sopranos, what would happen is once you killed like a bad guy, I guess they're all bad guys, but in The Sopranos, what would happen is once um, the Soprano family would do a hit on a rival family. They would take them to a rock quarry and put a bunch of rocks and crap in their cargo pants or whatever and throw them into the, I guess, the bottom of a rock quarry, which seems to be where a popular place to throw rocked-out bodies. But you would put the rocks in their pockets because they would float. It, like, if you killed somebody, before you killed them, you're like, hey, by the way... Can you float? And they're like, no, I've never been able to. Like, if you shoot them, then do they then sink? Are they sinkers? Are you just always a sinker? Is it your body type or is it your thoughts and your belief? That is um, the question I have. I don't know who to ask it to, so I'm asking it to you guys. Uh, thank you. If you have an answer, please feel free to comment it. I'll read the comments. I don't do it during the show because... Um, Usually because nobody's doing it uh, is one reason. Like, you would have to comment for me to comment on that. But then the second reason would probably be because the times that I've been involved in chat room comment style podcasting, it seems like uh, you just start, basically you just start watching somebody look at their phone as what happens on that kind of, to me, on that kind of podcast. So... Anyways, I don't want to do that. And uh, if you want to leave a comment, I'll read it, and I'll, I'll talk about it the next show if it's something that, if you have an answer. And there's a couple things that we were talking about, James and I, today. You know, there's a real possibility. I don't know. There's just, sometimes it's what you joke about could just be, it just comes true. And... We have a friend, as you guys know, my friend Damien comes here and hangs out here every morning because he's my friend. And he helps put chairs down and stuff, and I usually give him a breed at whatever he wants. And Heather buys him uh, all his costumes, and his mom pays for those. Heather doesn't purchase them all out of her pocket. Um, but we've done whatever we can to try to make whatever little part of his day better each day. You know, if we can be a small part of his morning every morning and make him feel 
like he's in a good mood. That's what we do. And, um, and it's not because I get more out of it than he does. I, I enjoy it more than that's what's frustrating about it. People sometimes assume that there's some sort of, um, philanthropic side or some sort of humanitarian side, which there is because that's obvious, but it's the other way around. You know, I consider him just a friend. So anyways, my friend comes over and, but then there's, you know, sometimes you sit there and you think like, well, if he is your friend, you, you just worry that you might have to take care of him. That's, that's crossed my mind a few times. Um, and I don't know his whole situation, but I'm familiar with quite a bit of it. And it seems like that could be, you know, it's a joke at first. Yeah, man, Damien, my brother here, my friend is going to be, you know, I might have to make him a little bit more part of my life, maybe someday. And then it's like, oh no, that could really happen. And so sometimes I joke with James about it, that I kind of want James to maybe start looking into possibly dating or courting Damien's mom and becoming my friend Damien's dad. So in a sense, becoming um, my nephew. You know, if, if James was to marry Damien's mom and Damien becomes James's stepson, Damien becomes my nephew and he'd be a great nephew. And I hope it happens. And so I was talking about ways. I don't know what to do. I don't know. You know, I wish I had the money. I, that's the one thing. And I told, I, you know, I try to put it out there. I don't know the number, so I just throw a million dollars. I feel like I can get a lot done. The reason I feel that way is because I get a lot done with nothing. So if I had a million dollars, I think I'd get a lot of shit done. But um, you give me a million dollars, you know, is there a way to get in contact with somebody that can help Damien's mom and also in a way transform because I don't expect her to fall in love with James. He is obviously that's a desired taste or whatever, you know, and I, I'm a matchmaker by heart. You know, like I like to help people fall in love. I've always liked that. <laughs> I've always been that guy, but, uh, you know, matching up, it's an age gap there. There's a responsibility with my friend Damien. There's all that. And I don't know. If I just had the money, though, I feel like I could talk to the right doctors, the right hypnotists, the right everything. I could square that place away that, you know, and, and James has got security and Damien's got security and Damien's mom's happy. That's If there's a way that money could do that, I would do that. And that's what I'm looking for with this show and your guys' support. So um Underneath my David Toby banner on my website, uh, there should be, to the right of the Pete Kalka link, there will be a link to help out, you know, just the transition. To try to get a, we gotta just, it's just a security thing. I mean, I want my friends to be secure. So, if that means that James has to date and marry a friend's mother, then do it. That's kind of my thing. Who else are you married to? Nobody. You know, God, but that's it. So, I don't know. That's a lot of science, and I don't know if it's like, I don't know what to do with any of that. I was fantasizing today about, like, the dream. Do you ever fantasize what your dream day? I was trying to ask, um... Frickin' Jimity Thicket, Jim Bob over there, James. I was trying to ask him what his dream day, if he could have all the money in the world, if he, you know, and there's no consequences. That's a big thing, too. So if you're, <clears throat> take everything out of it, like all your guilt, all your, all that. What would you do? No holds bar. What would you do? And I think it's an interesting question because I think you'd have a different answer at different times of your life. But, for me, I think that it started simple enough. Like, I'm, I am, uh, I've always had the the hotel gene. You know what I mean? There, that's a genetic thing. That is something that runs in the blood. Both my children have it. Um, I don't know what it is. Usually, 
people that are drawn to physical sports like wrestling or football, they will, for whatever reason, if you take them to a red roof in, they will wild out. They'll keep it hundred, you know, they'll get crazy. And I love hotels. And so if I had one perfect day, this is not like your last day or your last meal. This is like, you should plan this day, make it doable. Make it, it's the purge. It's basically the same uh, premise as the purge, but it's the opposite, like a happy purge. But I think what I would do is, you know, you get a nice place like a La Quinta Inn, which is nice. It's the La Quinta Inn and Suites. Oftentimes at a La Quinta Inn, you'll have an indoor-outdoor pool option. Um, but I would like to, I, because it's it's my own perfect day, I would like to be able to curate the other guests. You know what I mean? Like, be able to look at the reservation list and see profiles or profiles, if you're uh, Southern, um, see profiles of people and possibly... What I would ultimately do is there's a couple times, every time I've stayed at a La Quinta Inn, I've, no matter what, I've went and bought swim trunks and I've went down to the outdoor pool. It's one of, if you've never done it, uh, it's $40. That's tax included. It's worth every penny. You will have the time. You're going to meet, you're going to meet a a buddy. You're going to meet somebody that is just, that knows you, like, when you go to a La Quinta Inn outdoor pool, it is, there is a cheat code. It's being, you're being roughed into a blood or a crip situation. It is a club. And as long as you're cool, you know what I mean? And you don't do stupid shit like the hold your breath contest or, you know what I mean? You keep it real and you bring down like a white claw or something like that. And you mind your own. Somebody will paddle over to you and they'll start chatting you up. And that's what's great. So I'd want that to happen. Even on my, because that's part of the hotel experience. You can't have an abandoned hotel where you can't rent every every room in the hotel and just have it catered to just your needs. That is, that's like um, angry billionaire crap. That's like lonely, angry billionaire crap. No, you bring in the right group of people that, that you got the cowboy guy and you got the cop and you got the, the village people. That's what you're bringing in. You got the construction worker, the cowboy, the cop. Uh, you got the Wooly Mammoth and the David Bowie fella, uh, you know, whatever the rest of the YMCA guys were, uh, Wolverine, Captain America, all of them. And that's the Quinta Inn. And I'd love that. So what I do is I check in and I don't want to deal with their shit at check-in either. Like just walk up. I don't want to give them a card. I just want to say, Hey, I'm here. And they give me that little room key. I go up, I check in immediately, you know, get a... I feel good, like, that's what I'll, I won't be bloated, you know, so you want to feel good, and then you go down to the pool, and I'd probably bring, uh, this is the one day, so I'd bring just a big bottle of, I think I'd do margaritas by the outdoor pool at a La Quinta, and I might snack on something salty, so I'd bring down a little bit of beef jerky. So I'd wait out there for about an hour. But what I would want to make it the special day is, I don't know if you've ever ate pizza while swimming. It's one of the rare pleasures that if filmed, it's possible that, you know, there's a reason. Sometimes there's a why to everything. And there's probably a reason why terrorists hate us so much is if you were to ever see on film an American doggy paddling over to the side of a pool and eating a slice of stuffed crust pizza. I could see where that might want to make you throw a dirty bomb into a freaking soccer stadium or something. But um, anyways, terrorism doesn't, you know, that's, that's not my fear on this day. So what I would say is on an indoor pool setup, I get a staff of seasoned Golden Corral veterans, you know, the real good. I'm talking about buffet catering uh, demigods. These people, they're bred for it. They are, they come over here from Honduras and Guatemala and they get a job at Golden Corral and they get paid 25 bucks an hour and it's all you can eat of the best food in the world and they love it and they work there for their life and God bless them. And those are the people I want at 
uh, my perfect day. I want them to... I just want to buy a catered Golden Corral experience that happens nautically, that happens while I'm swimming. Because to me, the most... That would be just a tremendous... If I could learn to float... Could you imagine learning to float and floating over to the man who's making the made-to-order steaks? You float to that man now? And you say, medium rare, fella. And then you float over to the onion ring tray, put a couple onion rings on your steak, you float over, you get over there to that mashed potatoes, you go, oh, I don't know if I want brown or cream gravy. And you're like, I'll just do a little bit of both, you know, whatever. <laughs> you just get a little crazy. That's freaking... Are you just, and then I want somebody to come in dressed as a, like a, obviously like a college student that's overwhelmed, holding a, a stack of books and just to come in and be like, oh, sorry. And it's like, what's going on in here? And I'm like, oh, don't worry. You're, you're more than welcome. There's more than I can eat. He's like, what are you, what is this? And I'm like, oh, I rented it out and had Golden Corral cater a swimming experience. <laughs> Oh, that's a beautiful day. That's just a beautiful day. That's what Mr. Rogers would call a beautiful day in a neighborhood, man. Um, and there's typically, speaking of neighborhoods, there's an Applebee's nearby if you're at a La Quinta Inn. So oftentimes you can car side to go. <laughs> uh, so that's a dream day. Um, there's a part of it, if there was an erotic part of it, it would be like, you know, it's there's just anything, the rest of it, like even a massage sometimes, it just when you say it, it makes you sound uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like anytime I've ever got a massage, out of guilt, I've purchased a massage for my wife. And in my mind, I've made peace with that whatever happens from that purchase happens. I did it to myself. Like I didn't deserve the relaxation that I paid for by getting the massage for myself. And so, um, out of guilt, I would always purchase one for my wife. And, and I don't care. And, but, you know, there's a part of me that's like, man, this is ridiculous. We should just do this for each other. You know? <laughs> Doesn't the Bible say that we're supposed to, man and woman are supposed to massage each other? Or woman, <laughs> think right here, right? Yes. You can't read, can you, lady? This right here. <laughs> Men got away with that, with that for a very long time. I will say that. Could you imagine that the only book in the world, the only book in existence is the Bible, and what that is is the Word of God, and the only people that can read it are men, because the other people just can't read. And you would do that constantly. I mean, not maybe you wouldn't, but that would happen constantly, where you'd just be, you know, you'd come home and be like, oh, I was out ah, just building the pyramids, and I tore a rotator cuff, I think, you know, I was trying to lift it. 4,000 ton stone and poor rotator cuff. And she's like, oh, that's too bad. And like, yeah, well, it says right here in this book that was written by God that you're supposed to rub my shoulder. That's great. You should. You know what? That's something that, that's a possibility. That could be like an app or something. That could be a project. That could be something where you could teach people a new language just so they can righteously hold it above a, a spouse. You know what I mean? Be like, you learn, um, well, I don't know enough about what languages have to do with what religion, but I got to imagine, like, um, you learn Pakistani, and then you're like, read the Quran, and you would just be like, it says right here, you know, shoulder rub, and she'd be like, well, what is it? That's in Pakistani. I can't read that. I'd be like, yeah, but I can. That's what it says. So, you know, you do one of them sniffs. I mean, whatever, risk it, whatever. Um, so I didn't want to do anything too sexual, like uh, erotic on a, on a dream day, you know. There's no need for it. If you get Golden Corral while swimming, what else do you need? I would let now one thing I would add is I wouldn't mind Jeff Foxworthy narrating me eating. I got a guy over here. He's floating over here. I guess I'll see what he's going to do. And I'll 
Now you're gonna take the green bean, you're gonna put them all over the top of the pizza. Oh, <laughs> you might be a, you might be a redneck. <sighs> Sorry, I did that. I had a Seinfeld buzzer. I'd play it right there. Um, so, anyways, there's a few other stories that caught my attention that I'll mention here, and I didn't mean to rhyme that, but um, other than the aliens that Mexico <laughs> Mexico has, um, there was a guy, I think it was small town Carolina, think East Coast, think uh, bucolic neighborhood, bucolic area, and think of the fact that I just used the word bucolic in a sentence. And um, gentleman left a party of his nine-year-old's birthday, left the nine-year-old, his daughter's ninth birthday party, and got into his car. I don't know what kind of car he drove, but I got him. No, I do. Jeep Gladiator. Drove a Jeep Gladiator. So a freaking, I don't know if you've seen a damn Jeep Gladiator, but the name should say it all, buddy. It's a pickup truck that's half Jeep. It's a Minotaur. It's half Jeep, half truck. Um, not good at either, but whatever. So Jeep Gladiator gets in it, drives off, puts in his Google Maps, his destination, takes off, follows the orders of... This is... Now, I'm assuming this is all based on an investigation, but follows the orders of the Google Maps, drives down this road, and falls off of... Uh, Fallen bridge falls, uh, drives over a fallen bridge and falls down into a river and drowns and dies, drowns. So the the investigation is saying now this family is suing Google saying that the reason that this man drove off is because he was listening to the Google maps and the Google maps hasn't updated that this route had a, you know, a hazardous, deadly hazard. But, um, Upon further reading and just thinking about it, number one is, unless he's on the phone simultaneously, which is possible, but simultaneously with his spouse while driving. And, and by the way, not that it's, it's a horrible tragedy, regardless of why it happened, but sometimes when reporters say a story, they are reporting the facts, but they're saying them in a way that they're leaving something out, possibly. You know, just because a guy left his nine-year-old party doesn't mean he left happy. You know, there's a lot of things that happen where, you know, couples will leave parties and somebody will leave angry. Um, That's pretty common, actually. So what's to say that this guy didn't do this on purpose? I guess is my thing, because if he drowned, you didn't, you never got a damn confession unless okay the other thing is that he's on the phone while it happens he's like i'm just following this i don't know where i'm at and then oh my gosh i'm over a bridge i'm not maybe that's it and if that's the case then you got a hell of a you got a hell of a case you know what i mean um but upon further reading one thing i'll say is they said that this bridge has been out for nine years uh and by the way we can think that somebody's an idiot and i'm with you because your initial gut reaction is like, what an idiot. Like, why wouldn't you see that the bridge is gone? But I don't know if you've ever been driving at night when there's no other lights. I mean, there's a very easy possibility that if it wasn't marked with a cone or something that you could drive off a bridge. I mean, there's a time, there's still a lot of railroad crossings that are active railroad crossings that don't have the arms, you know, that come down the dummy arms that say, Hey, could be a train dummy. Um, and I remember driving over tracks before and looking in the rearview mirror and seeing a train and being like, holy shit. Um, so I could totally see falling in, into a hole that's on the road if it's dark. Um, and nine years. So they're, they're mad at Google, but it's like, are you mad at Google? Because is it really Google's fault that something's not been fixed in nine years on a public road. And it's like, I don't even care that it's not fixed. It should be pretty well marked after nine years uh, that this is this bridge that 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 you think is here is no longer usable. Um, so maybe the lawsuit. It seems to me like it's there could be a possibility that a dude just um, unfortunately 
stupidly jumped his Jeep Gladiator into a body of water. And then a family's like, well, if that's going to happen, what's the angle? Because to me, you should be suing the town. Well, the town ain't got no money. So who are you going to sue next? Oh, sue Google. And you get something out of it. It's like, that's kind of what this kind of story feels like to me. But again, and I remind you every week, I'm just some dumb idiot that runs a taco shop in um, Davenport, Oklahoma. And, you know, we do our best and we keep trying. So um, we appreciate everybody that comes in and um, we will uh, we'll see you the rest of the week. So thank you guys for listening. Don't let your meatloaf uh, have an okay day. Um, thanks to David Toby. Uh, there's a carp in the tub. And the leftovers are out. I didn't talk about E. coli on this show, but I'll do it next week, maybe. With that being said, have an okay day.